don't have an entrepreneurial seizure. Don't just do it because you're tired of your job. Mm. Look at what it takes to run a business. Look at all the things that you have to have in a row. If you need help, talk to Devin. He will help you. If you have a cool idea, talk to Devin. He will help protect you. Mm. Um, that is one thing that we've been so hypervigilant about with what we do being proprietary that we've locked it down so much it actually impeded our growth. So we mm. have things trademarked, but now we want to look at a patent on how we can protect the methodology more. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that has uh, grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a CEO and founder of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And if you ever need help, feel free to go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. Now, today we have another great guest on the uh, podcast, a Nate, and I'll probably slaughter his last name, Zelensnik, maybe? Zelesnik, you're so Zelesnik. I was close. So um, Nate or Nathan, but uh, we'll call him Nate. I was born and raised in Huntsville, which actually is just about 10 minutes away from where I'm at. And it's another small town, or it used to be a small town, and now it's growing kind of the same as where we're at. But uh, I love the, the small town. So we uh, we grew up in a similar uh, atmosphere in a similar location. But after growing up in Huntsville, then he went to uh, Weber College and went and got a music scholarship or he had a music scholarship there, started to go to school. I think he said he didn't quite or didn't finish it up, but went or went through part of the degree. You left and then you decided as you went uh, after you left, he wanted to help. He wanted to help blind people. So he got into um, looking at different ways to help blind people, including some martial arts and visualization. I think got a, a mailer in the video or in the mail about videos in the course and uh, fell in love with it, thought it was a great way. And then uh, built on from there, um, got more involved and now has grown that into the business that he's doing today and uh, helping other people with blind and either physically blind or otherwise uh, being able to visualize and be able to see things. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Nate. Thank you very much, Devin. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> honored to be here with you, neighbor. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm stoked for our time together today. So perfect. Well, I gave just a, a brief introduction, kind of ran through the the 22nd version of your story, which never does it justice. So maybe going back to kind of uh, maybe go back to Weber and talking about the music scholarship and what made you decide to give that up and go and do other things and how you got to where you're at today. But let's dive into your story. All right. Sounds good. Well, yes, I'm a Huntsville native here, and um, I didn't know you were native to Mountain Green. I thought that you just lived there, so that's awesome that we kind of grew up in the small towns uh, together alone, if that makes sense. So, <laughs> yeah, the two-second or 30-second aside, so my my family, if you were to go back all the way heritage far enough, was the founders of Mountain Green. So I've had, uh, I'm related to probably, if you look at people that have lived here for a while, I'm related to half the county. So I'm one of those that have been, or family founded the county and have been here ever since. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. Uh, mine are not. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was uh, in sixth grade, I, my mom was a clarinetist when she was in high school and college and mm. so I had an old clarinet and she's like, well, we better get you ready for music because uh, you can't really sing. So you're going to have to play an instrument. You know, you had one or one choice or the other. Mm. And so she pulled out her clarinet and then she started teaching me some scales and how to, you know, how to put the clarinet together and, I just took to it. It just was, I was just a very naturally gifted student in music. And so I started 
performing in different places. And by the time I was in that grade, I was actually playing with Weber State's symphonic band. And I was matriculated there in early college from ninth grade uh, all the way until I actually matriculated as a full-time student after my senior year of high school. Mm. And so, yes, I was in the music uh, into, I was not in the music program though. My major was tech, tech sales, it was technical mm. sales. So okay. then uh, some scholarship change requirements changed on me in my right just the end of my junior year. And mm. so I wasn't able to continue on through Weber State journey. However, I love that place. It's still my alma mater. And uh, yeah, every time I get to go back, I keep wondering why did they change all the buildings and make them nicer after I left? But <laughs> <laughs> um, after that, I went into the workforce and I started working in the fields of mortgage, uh, lending, and mm. I really enjoyed that. However, my life took a very significant turn when I was 23, that's in 1998. So I've been involved in martial arts for a long time. My younger brother, Mike, he has numerous black belts in different styles before we started doing what we're doing now. Mm. And he had kind of gotten a little bit burned out on instructing martial arts. And he was just, you know, working at a timeshare up here in the Valley. And he didn't really want to get into martial arts again. But when I ordered a, a black belt magazine course that said, inner power in two weeks guaranteed or you get your money back. Mm. He was like, oh, I'll watch it. Now, here in America, the internal energy, what uh, most people would call chi or prana or ki, there's different names for it, but it's our universal life force, the thing that mm. is life. Well, that's not taught in most martial arts, almost none in the United States, even though they have a big component it's a little bit woo-woo and out there, especially 20-something years ago for the Western mind. Now it's all over the place and people understand breath work and meditation energy work is so important for our health mm. and help us through a lot of conditions. But back then, no. And so I got this inner power video from, well, from Black Belt Magazine. It was an Indonesian news broadcast, so I didn't understand a single word. But wow, the demonstrations that were on there. We'd never seen anything like it. The Western world had never seen anything like this. And one of the demonstrations was people running through obstacle courses. They were riding bicycle or motorcycles through traffic. They were shooting, well, the military members shooting ob like targets out of people's hands and out of their mouth, obviously from the side, all while blindfolded. They were just like, wait a minute, that's got to be BS. Magicians do that stuff. But then it showed a blind man. And it was a demonstration for the Sultan of Oman that mm. you know, happened to be on this news broadcast. And they were having people from the audience come down and write something on a whiteboard and then draw something. And this blind man would go up and he would use his hand and it seemed like he was scanning, like kind of like your copier goes and scans a, a document. He was mm. like, doing that with his hand and then he would duplicate what was on the board over and over for different people and they even had some fighting on there where people were blindfolded fighting people from the audience it was kind of weird it's like that doesn't happen here <laughs> you know just pull people hey let's throw some punches together but this is uh <clears throat> in the middle east and or in asia and um where it took place however it was very compelling and I had to watch it a few more times. We both watched it. My brother and I watched it a couple more times because we're like, this is nuts. If it's real, this is some flat out Jedi stuff. 
and you know we have things happen in our life the universe sends us signs and the next day i was at a step a traffic light right in front of the utah schools for the deaf and blind in ogden and there was a blind person waiting to cross the street with their dog and they got the go ahead they got the chirps from the traffic signals and the dog went around the light pole and it led her face first into it and i'm like maybe eight feet away and i'm just going oh my god those dogs aren't, aren't they trained to not do that <laughs> i mean that could be fatal you take the blind person to lead them across the road at the wrong time and then it hit, it just dawned on me i wonder if those indonesian people could help blind people here mm. and so for some reason and I found out later, it's actually a genetic and epigenetic reason why I've always been so drawn to helping people with disabilities or people who are disadvantaged, people who are in more difficult circumstances than myself, no matter mm -hmm. what that is. But <clears throat> I knew I, I had to find out, do those Indonesian people help blind people? So I made it my mission. And for the next two weeks, I was at the Weber County Library up here in Little Huntsville, because it's the only place I could get internet back in those days. Hmm. And I searched and searched, and there were only two words that I could understand on the entire news broadcast. The words marpati, which means dove, and puti, which means white. So the white dove system of martial arts. Hmm. And that was pretty cool because most martial arts are like the black flying snake or the red dragon. They're but the peace is a symbol of peace and justice for a martial art. That's kind of compelling. So I reached out and I finally got a hold of somebody who could speak English. Hmm. And I asked them, can you really help blind people? And they said, yeah, we've helped over 3000 blind people here so far. And we have a foundation for them. And we even train our military, our most elite special forces members use this for search and rescue. And they also use it in live fire missions. So <clears throat> I'm sitting here going, all right, one thing that I do know is governments don't invest millions of dollars. They don't invest any time in training their special, opera special operatives in technology that will get them killed. So maybe it's not a trick, but I still don't believe it. So my brother, Mike, and I, 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 I convinced him because I'm the older brother. I basically, I told him, hey, if we're going to do this. Let me now, let me ask one question on that. So, because I mean, the time you you were working uh, and you were doing sales, or you were doing real estate. Sorry, or, or remembering which one you were doing, but you were doing um, that. And your brother also had a job. So, do you guys just say, "Hey, we're going to leave our jobs, go and uh, check into this, dive all in"? Was it kind of a started out as an interest and a side hustle? And hey, we'll try this out, see if it makes sense, if we can make a business of it. Hey, this is a personal interest. I'm going to take all my leave that I have at work and then I'll come back and do my job or kind of how did you make that transition or decision? Okay. So that's an awesome question. So what it was, was we continued working our jobs. I, at the time was working at a credit card company in Salt Lake city. So I was making mm -hmm. that drive from Huntsville to Salt Lake every day. Um, mm -hmm. Mike was working at a timeshare up here. Uh, so, you know, 10 minutes away. So we continued to work on this, but you know, the thing is, is it was a part-time endeavor getting them. No, just full disclosure, we knew we wouldn't be able to learn it because they had never trained a non-Indonesian person before, ever. We just wanted to be helpful. We just wanted to be um, 
you know what it's like here. I am uh, like pie in the sky, 20 years old. I can do anything, conquer the world. I want to change the world. Well, I really saw a way I could help facilitate that, but I just wanted to hook them up with people in this country that could maybe help them out, but I didn't know what I was doing. And I didn't know why I was so drawn to helping people with visual disability or visual impairment. Mm. So um, yeah, what we did was we continued working our jobs and sold a bunch of stuff. And <laughs> we went to massive credit card debt to bring the first ever demonstration team of this art, the Marpati Puti art to America. And we did that in the uh, fall of 1999. And we did demonstrations at the Utah schools for the deaf and blind. We did them for all of our major news stations here in the state. <clears throat> and I even got the opportunity to go to Washington DC with them and meet the ambassador and his wife, um, the ambassador of Indonesia. And they did a demonstration there. But while we were on the trip- oh, Let yeah, me ask one additional follow-up quick, cause I think that's interesting. So you bring them over to the U.S., you kind of tour them around, show what they can do, what the, you know, what they've been trained to and what the application is. Was it with the intent, hey, we're going to now start a business around it or, you know, we're going to start offering it as classes. We just want to get the information out or, you know, what was it? Because, I mean, that's if you're selling a whole bunch of stuff, going into debt and everything else, you know, typically you're going to say I have to be able to recoup that cost somehow in order to make it a worthwhile investment. So how did you kind of decide, you know, what was the plan of if we're going to rack up all this debt and sell everything off, what was the intention behind that? Well, the intention was to work for them and hmm. to be liaisons, right? And to be representatives here and get commissions for contracts that we were able to help secure. But we didn't think we'd be able to train because that was forbidden. Uh, over a million people in Indonesia had learned this but they were no, no one had ever been allowed to train a non-Indonesian person. Hmm. That was edict from the Indonesian royal family and the, the, which this is a royal family system that was kept secret for over four centuries until it was released to the Indonesian public in 1963 but even then no non-Indonesians. It was uh, yeah very um, very hmm. secretive and so on this trip to uh, Washington DC, they started training me a little bit in some of the breathwork technique. And I have to say, it's not like any kind of breathwork, <laughs> any other kind of breathwork out there in the world, mm. down full stop. It is unique. And what it, the whole purpose is to gain more electricity in our body and to turn our body into a, a generator where we produce a greater electromagnetic charge. And it does that very quickly. <clears throat> However, I didn't know anything about this. Um, I was just like, okay, chi, let you break stuff. Awesome. But the vibrovision, we weren't allowed to use, learn that mm. until later. And so <clears throat> we started our training in the fall of 1999 because there just so happened to be a certified trainer for Murpati Budi living in Salt Lake City, getting his postdoctoral master's in speech language pathology at the U of U. And so when we met him at the airport, when they first came in, we're just like, awesome, an Indonesian person. Nice, good to meet you. <clears throat> it wasn't until after they all went home that when they were leaving, they're like, okay, he's going to be your trainer. And we're like, what? Uh, okay, that wasn't part of the bargain. I just want to work for you to help out. I just feel this compelling need to help people. Mm. And you have to help people. Because um, they brought blind people over with them. And those blind people, those two blind guys, they could do anything you or I can do and more. Mm. Even 
you couldn't see their pupils. Their eyes were completely cloudy and white. Um, and they drove cars, they rode bicycles in between. They knew stuff was inside drawers be without opening them. They could tell what was behind them. We'd hold up different colors and they would tell us what it was behind them. It was mind blowing, truly. So we knew that we had something here. Now, we had never opened a business and it wasn't until, you know, we were training with this guy in Salt Lake. It wasn't until the fall of 2000 when Mike and I were able to help sponsor the two 11th generation royal heirs to this knowledge to come over here with one of the 12th generation, the oldest son of one of the 11th generation heirs. They came over and they were here for uh, about two weeks and they, Mike and I, my, sorry, my brother's name is Mike. And so uh, they tested Mike and I, they did an initiation and they inaugurated us as the first ever non-Indonesian branch of Merpati Kuti. And they gave us uh, the opportunity to teach the martial arts and the breath work and the energy work and the meditation, but no vibrovision. That required much more training and testing over there before they would show us the stuff. So here we go. Going so into- Let me ask one more, maybe just one more quick question on that. So, you know, so you do, you are aligning out in my head. So first of all, you, you said, okay, we're going to go over there. We're going to fly a crew over. We, we are the intent that we want to work for them or be able to be the kind of the U.S. branch of it. You bring them all over, tour them around, kind of show what they can do. And then, you, you know, they, so they go back, I assume after the two weeks, did they at the end of that two weeks say, we'll let you do kind of a lighter version or the partial portion of this course and be kind of the first us or us branch of it or what was that timeline was it just immediately after the end of the two weeks was it months after or how did you kind of make that transition and then follow on now i know it's a compound question but follow on to that is what did you do with your job or your full-time job you were doing in the meantime kind of how did you make that balance or how did you make that transition sure awesome so so we're talking about two different times they we brought people over the mm -hmm. first in the fall of 1999. Mm -hmm. Then we met our the person who would become our trainer. And they said, he's going to be your trainer. So this is fall of 1999, mm -hmm. where we did demonstrations at Weber State and the Utah schools for the deaf and the blind. So then there's also the second time that a contingent came over, and that was in the fall of 2000. So I just want to make sure we have a clear separation of those two, because a sure. lot of different happened with those two times. So in mm -hmm. 1999, they said, yes, you can train and he's going to train you. And uh, our our trainer here, he was a former special forces trainer for this art in Indonesia. In addition to being an internal and throat surgeon, he also trained in the military. So he basically tried to kill us. He did mm -hmm. not want us to learn this. He was against Westerners learning it. But the 11th generation heirs told him, yes, we want you to train him. He's like, fine. Well, but if they die on the vine and not my fault, I don't think we're going to be strong enough. And mm. he put us through a very accelerated and very brutal regimen. Of, so most people learn to meditate because they sit on a cushion and they get it nice and quiet and they light a candle and they sit there and maybe you have some incense. We learned next to the Union Pacific Railroad in downtown Salt Lake City. Mm. And he would bang pots and pans next to our head. We would have to learn to meditate and count our breaths and our heartbeats and synchronize our brainwaves in the middle of that. That was our, yeah, that was just, just an example. So our training went that way. 
And so we had to go through the ranking structure in record time, faster than anybody else ever had in the whole system. So usually if you want to train in our level one training, it's going to be a six month minimum mm. training from when you start to when you can test mm. For ours, we only got three months. And then for the second level, you're supposed to get six months. We got four months. And for their level, you're supposed to get six months. We got four months. And then after that, we actually brought somebody from Indonesia over here to test us because mm. we're testing for the same rank as our instructor and he couldn't do that. Right. So, and you're, and you're also working full-time job, uh, your full-time job as you're getting trained. Is that right? Right. Okay. Perfect. Sorry. didn't mean to interrupt. Just wanted to clarify that. So go ahead. Well, but then in 2000, when we brought the 11th generation heirs, we brought the Royal family members mm. over and they inaugurated our school. Mike and I quit our jobs, our, our full-time jobs. Mm. And we school and had our very first class on January 3rd, 2001. So on January 3rd, coming up will be our 20 year anniversary of owning our business and operating a martial arts school here in Utah. So that said, we can we continued to work a marketing job in odd times in order to afford our $500 a month rent at the old Ogden City Mall before it got demolished. And it didn't take very long before people started seeing us breaking steel and the martial arts skills that we had and, you know, pouring our own bricks and then chopping through them with very little effort. And they're like, I want that. And so we got enough people uh, within about five months, I believe, about five, five or six months to be able to actually do this full time. Mm. But the um, starving artist that's not necessarily just something people say. Sometimes it's starving martial artists. So we ate a lot of ramen, a lot of potatoes, and uh, grew up in a household where we didn't have a lot, so we didn't need a lot. And so we, like most smart business owners should, you should put a lot of your money back into your business as much as you can. Mm. Uh, we all, I mean, that's just, unless you have a venture, a VC, funding you have something where somebody uh, a windfall or you just came into it with a big loan or a lot of money Uh, like us ten thousand dollars in debt and you have thirty two dollars in your bank account total Mm. well then there's something else called sweat equity (laughs) so there's a lot of that that went into this but Mm. we know how to really operate a business so we worked very closely with utah small business development center up at weber state and they helped us a lot with the understanding of how to set up and manage our business. Um, I'm still learning. I'm a perpetual learner. I, we're now with our VibraVision skill, we're not doing nearly as much with the martial arts as we are with that because for blind people, it gives them a new sense of sight and new perception around in the world around them. But for sighted people, hmm. it, us who have vision, a much deeper and under, deeper understanding and vision inside ourselves to who we really are so for instance if a blind person and i've got a uh, we have blind people that we've trained most of them are in phoenix arizona and we travel back and forth um, to train them but a blind person who drops a screw you know a screw on the ground they're screwed Mm. literally because if you step on a screw and you're blind or you step on a screw and you're not blind it's what we call sucks well, you know, if somebody drops a screw on their garage floor and they're blind, 
most people feel very defeated if they can't see because then they're on their hands and knees and they're doing this across their entire garage floor trying to find it. So mm. for a person who drops a screw to be able to go, okay, what did I learn? Okay, I'm going to visualize exactly where that screw is and they see it in their mind, reach down and pick it up with two fingers. Mm. First try. That's a superhuman feat right there. I mean, straight up. But mm. what if you're yo? Or what if you're uh, an entrepreneur, you're a business owner who has all these things that you have to do and you're not seeing your family or you're not connecting with them nearly as much as you would like. What if you're so stressed out that you're literally killing yourself, which we are, we know that now that stress is the number one cause of disease. Over mm. 80 percent of all diseases are caused by stress according to the American Medical Association. So if you're so stressed out, that your body's just pumping out cortisol and your adrenals are on blast all the time and you can't get away from that. You're waking up with your heart beating out of your chest. What if there was a way that you could learn meditations and breath work that would calm your nervous system down, allow you to be calm inside, be able to lower your blood pressure, lower your heart rate, lower your stress within a matter of literally minutes, naturally. Mm. And would give you the ability, like a superhuman ability, to have intuition that you never even dreamed of. How could it help you or anybody out there in your life if you were able to make better business decisions because you could feel it and really trust yourself? If you could really connect with your family and with yourself on a deeper level than you ever thought possible and getting the ego out of the way? Things like this. That's why people travel from all over the country and people want to travel from all over the world. But that's something to talk. I'm going to talk to you about, Devin, with the IP stuff um, and our patenting. But what would that be like? Most people think that that stuff's just for movies and it's just for superheroes and it's just Hollywood. So, but no, and I, and I think that there's there's a lot of or you know there's a lot of value in that. I mean, I think everything in. I've never personally got into it as much as I am or maybe could, but you know, whether it's taking a break, whether it's or, or, or relaxing, whether it's controlling your health, whether it's being mindful and doing whatever the method, and there are a lot of different methods. And I think some are like you guys do have a lot of value to them and any, but you know, and everybody has different methods to work for them. But one question, you know, maybe one question going back to the journey just for a little bit is to maybe keep us on track just slightly, but so you, you, you know, you fi figure out this value proposition, right? So in the, in the sense that you, you got the store that was in the old Ogden mall, you're doing the training, you said, okay, this is, we can help both blind people that to be able to visualize, see their surroundings, as well as those that have, you know, physical vision that they can also both control or better, better understand their surroundings, as well as to be able to be more healthy, to be more mindful, to be able to time manage, be able to uh, decrease your heart rate, all of those things that are all beneficial to them. So now walk me through. So you, you, you opened up the store did, or opened up, I don't, is it a dojo? Is it a, I don't know what, sorry, I don't know the terminology. You opened up the, you opened up the storefront, I'll call it a storefront and you did the training. So, you know, what, what date was that when you originally opened that up and then how did you kind of, where did that lead you to where you're at today? Well, that is a 20 year question right there. That, um, we've been in so because we're getting towards the end of the podcast, maybe give the 20 year question in like a 30 to 45 seconds, just kind of that quick overview. Absolutely. So the majority of our student base came from and always has come from word of mouth. Mm. So satisfied customers, right? Mm. And we've been in five locations so far. We've 
been fortunate that we've always been able to find a new location when we needed it. But mm -hmm. Ogden, we've always, we seem to have for several times moved into blighted locations. So mm -hmm. the rent right, great people helping us fix these places up and make them a home. And so we're at right now at 17th and Wall, 1710 Wall Avenue is amazing. It is one of the nicest martial arts schools or fitness schools in the entire state. And that's because we have an amazing army of people who love us, who love the mission that we have and see our vision for the future of not just ourselves, but all of them. And so <clears throat> I hope that answered your question that this is not just us. It's a lot of other people who have been there by our side helping us, but we also have had to really put our nose to the grindstone for 20 years to get this because it, Utah is not necessarily the most open-minded place. And mm -hmm. so we wanted to make sure that, especially with Vibrovision, we took this to science. So we have medical, we have opto, like optometrists verifying it. We have blind people who vouch for it, thousands of people who have viewed it. But we also have worked with one of the most renowned neuroscientists on the planet. And he has done 3D brain mapping to find out what's happening in the brains of our people. And after 25 years, him mm. doing it, 25 years, over 4,000 people, experienced meditators, I might add, he has never seen anything like what our people are putting on his machines. Mm. And so we wanted to make sure we brought this in a way that wasn't so woo-woo and far out there that people could really wrap their mind around it. And it's taken 20 years to really whittle this method down and I give all credit to my brother, Mike, to make mm. it Western mindset. So if you didn't, so now if I were to now fill in those 20 years or summarize, it, at least from my understanding, so you, you started out, you'd start out with one location. You said, okay, we're going, we we're all in, we're going to quit our job, so to speak. We're going to or start it. What I'll call a dojo. And I'm sure I've, it's probably a better terminology, but you know, start the dojo, start training people and start to, or to bring, or bring what they're doing in Indonesia over to the West or to the U S and do that continued to grow primarily versus or via word of mouth and have opened up a few additional locations and continue to outreach to people that will, you know, in local locations and community where it'll be helpful to them, where you can have that ability to have that positive impact and to grow. So, well, that brings us to where we're at today. So now you take the next six to 12 months, where do you think, where do you see yourself headed? So where do you know, what's the, what's the trajectory or what's the plan for the next six to 12 months? Well, thank you. That's a great question. First thing that I would like to, next thing I would like to mention for all of your viewers and listeners out there is you owe it to yourself to go to amazon.com, go to Amazon Prime Video and look at the documentary, Superhuman, The Invisible Made Visible. Once mm. again, that's Superhuman, The Invisible Made Visible. It's on Prime, you can watch it. This. <laughs> so this uh, amazing documentary producer named Caroline Corey, mm. who St. George actually, um, she produced a documentary showing people who were able to move things with their mind, change the pH of water. They were able to affect physical reality or develop superhuman abilities and then having medical or scientific professionals there documenting it and verifying it. It's the first time that I've ever seen this done and we are featured in that so we're toward the end by all means everybody it's free as long as you have a prime account watch it a couple times it will blow your mind and it will inspire you mm. so that, that that said 
that also helps us lead into what's coming up in 2021, the next six to 12 months. So we run, we hold immersion workshops in Ogden, Utah, but we also have a weekly class starting on January 8th. Now, this is a unique method. So everything is proprietary. So we do a background check on every single adult that comes in. All right, we're teaching only the people with the purest hearts. That was part of our promise to the royal family members when they allowed us to do this, is that we would not train um, people that are, would use it for bad things. And so you can contact us through our website at vibravision, V-I-B-R-A-V-I-S-I-O-N.com. Hmm. And you can register for either for an immersion workshop, which we have those coming up every quarter. And we also offer people to, well, we'll do offsite training as well. So we have offers from Beverly Hills, from Maui, from Cabo, from Costa Rica, Dallas. We've got all these different places and people that want us to fly there because we're the only people in the entire country that could teach this. Hmm. It's a truly unique skill. And so, so it sounds like the next six to 12 months, now you're going to be expanding the, uh, the location, making it so it's more accessible for people across the country and, and, and across the world by offering the seminars of different locations and potentially online. Is that a fair summary? Well, yes, not online though, because okay. just in what, person, what we do is strenuous. So hmm. it's like you go to the gym and you're going to bench press. You better have a spotter. If you don't, well, that's uh, yeah so we're not going to put that in the hands of people that way and also because what we do is proprietary we screen we screen people people have to be accepted into this program it's not for everybody just because they want to they have to actually apply but that's one thing that makes it very exclusive is mm -hmm. that not everybody can is allowed to do this and well you know you can also rest assured that you don't have a psychopath sitting next to you in class because we have to be not just let everybody in, but for people who are really interested in learning more about what they can do and having a reproducible method that is proven to science and medicine that can make you into an actual a superhuman in a way, fiberrevision.com, that's where you're going to find those answers. All right, perfect. Well, as we wrap up, and there's always plenty more things to talk about than always time to talk about them, I always ask two questions at the end of the podcast, so why don't we jump to those now? So the first question is, is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what'd you learn from it? And dropping my whole life savings on Powerball. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good, that would be a good mistake to make. Uh, okay. So the, the worst mistake that I have ever made, I would say the, uh, the hardest learning experience that I've ever put myself into I like mm -hmm. to put it because I've never failed. I only learn. I would have to say that that would be not sticking to my guns and letting people take advantage of me mm. when it comes to money, when it comes to time, when it comes to friendship and not having the solidarity within myself to be true to who I am and allowing people to uh, walk over me in mm. situations, which you wouldn't think that would come from a martial artist, right? Because <laughs> punch them in the throat. Now, it doesn't exactly work that way um, when it comes down to our inner confidence. So mm. that. that's that's fair enough. And that's, I think, a good, good thing to learn along your journey. So now I'm going to jump to the second question, which is you talking to someone that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Very first thing is don't have an entrepreneurial seizure. Don't just do it because you're tired of your job. Mm. 
look at what it takes to run a business. Look at all the things that you have to have in a row. If you need help, talk to Devin. He will help you. If you have a cool idea, talk to Devin. He will help protect you. Um, that is one thing that we've been so hypervigilant about with what we do being proprietary that we've locked it down so much it actually impeded our growth. So we have things trademarked, but now we want to look at a patent and how we can protect the methodology more. So <clears throat> you have free resources available for you. Small business development centers are all over the country. There's all kinds of information that uh, like Devin and I, when we were starting our businesses a long, long time ago, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have these resources where you could go on and you can get help. You can get Rocket Lawyer you can, or whatever for find out, is it legal to do this in my area with this kind of business, whatever you need to do. But no, and, I, and I like that because I think that, and I like the first point of, of no, have the entrepreneur, I never heard the entrepreneur seizure, but it is that kind of thing of don't just make the knee jerk reaction of, hey, I don't like what I'm doing or I don't want to keep doing what I'm doing. I hate my job type of thing because, you know, the, as the old joke goes, you know, the best thing about working for yourself is you get to choose the, or the 80 hours a week that you work type of a thing. And so most of the time going to be an entrepreneur isn't any easy. Now it can be rewarding. You can be your own boss. You can guide your own ship, but it's not going to be just easy straight. And it's not like the movies show where you work for two or three hours a day and then you get to play for the rest of the day. So I like, I, I like that as a feedback. We've already kind of hit on um, a few ways for people to find out more about you, your business, connect up with you. But is there any other ways that, it, or that would be helpful if people want to find out more about your business, about what you're doing, connect up with you personally, be your next best friend, any or all of the above, any other good ways to reach out to you? Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, you can go and our, our website is the best way, but you can find me on Facebook, Nate Zolesnik. You can also look for Vision USA or we also have a foundation. We have a 501c3 where people can donate to help blind people learn this and also help our scientific research. And that's the Vibra Vision Foundation. And you can find me on LinkedIn, you can find me on Twitter, you can find us pretty much everywhere. So you just look for Vibra Vision. And if it's, uh, if it's a lighting company, a rave lighting company from Australia, that ain't us. There's one other <laughs> company in the world called Vibra Vision and uh, they're in Australia and they provide. All right. Fair enough. Well, I certainly uh, encourage people to reach out, find out more, be a customer, be a user, get trained, be a supporter, to be a donator or whatever uh, fits in with what they're looking for. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to come on and be a guest on the podcast, feel free to go to inventivejourneyguest.com. We always love to tell your, uh, in your stories and your journeys. If you're a listener, make sure to click subscribe so you get notifications as all the new ep awesome episodes come out. And last but not least, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or anything else, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law by going to strategymeeting.com. Thank you again, Nate, for coming on. It's been a pleasure to have you and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you so much, Devin. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. Thanks.